Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. The legends are true. Overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. This podcast is a part of the Podmania Podcasting Network. Check out podmania.co.uk to check out more of our great podcasts, features, reviews, match ratings and previews spanning the crazy and diverse world of professional wrestling. Stardom Cast, your weekly audio source of all things world-wondering stardom right here on the Podmania Podcasting Network. I am your host, Rob Goodwin, and I am joined, as ever, by Matt Turner. Matt, how goes it over there in the land of the free and the land of the brave? I am fantastic. I'm, like, better than normal the last couple days, and I'll explain why, but I want to kick it over to you. You had a birthday the other day, and uh, I want to I want to know how everything went there, my man. Yeah, yeah, I am now thirty two, um, which is a weird age because I realised that I am closer to forty than I am to eighteen, um, which is both scary and depressing. I'm closer to forty than I am to twenty, 
And uh, it doesn't feel that long ago that I was 20. And in many regards, I am still 20. So uh, to make that realisation was a little bit of a uh, kick to the crotch. But yeah, the day itself was lovely. Went out for a meal with my family and my girlfriend and my brother's girlfriend. It was really nice. Had steak, you know, some drinks, some laughs. All good, my man. All good. Why are you so happy today? I mean, you are unerringly happy and unerringly positive. So for you to be over happy, I'm intrigued to know why. Well, you know, life is always a series of up and downs. And last week I did talk about uh, passing my uncle and thank you to everybody that reached out to me. However, there was a lot more ups uh, afterwards. Uh, just uh, actually a week ago, as we record this, my closest and lifelong best friend got engaged. So uh, super happy about that. Super pumped for uh, Jeff and Angel. Uh, super excited that uh, that he you know finally popped the question. So that was always a, that's a big positive. And the next day was uh, was a blue and gold reunion. I haven't teamed with uh, my tag partner Andy Header in about six or seven months. And not that we had a falling out or anything. It's just uh, my single schedule was pretty booked up. His single schedule was pretty booked up. We throw on top of that the different variants going around with the virus and the fact that it snows all the time here in Pennsylvania. So you have some show cancellations. So. We got to team up uh, last week for the first time in a handful of months, and we had an absolute blast. Um, as we, we were kind of setting up our merchandise table, we kind of had an idea of where we were going to go with the match. And then our opponents went to the wrong venue, Rob. They <laughs> went to the wrong venue, and they literally showed up as the match before us was starting. Wow. <laughs> so uh, so me and Andy being the pros that we are, and, and thumbs up to the throne. Those guys are really good guys. We've worked them a whole bunch of times. The first time we worked them, it was terrible. The second time, it was better. The third time, it was getting better. And these guys, they talk about reps. These guys are constantly on the road, constantly improving. So literally, they, they got in, and I said, here's what we're doing for the finish. I'm like, what do you guys do? And like, they, we said, they said, well, we do this. And I said, okay. The one thing that I'm very good at is if like, we start at A, and we know we need to get to D. I'm very good at filling in B and C, like the transitions to get there. I said, okay, here's the transition. And then they kind of wanted to call other stuff. And I'm like, no, because if I change my mind or it doesn't jive, uh, I'm going to be trying to figuring stuff out. I said, we're just going to call everything else in the ring. And we called 90% of the match in the ring. And the actual finish was supposed to be, I'm going to peel back the curtain here a little bit, was well, Andy was supposed to take their tag team finish, which is a uh, wheelbarrow ace crusher. And then I was going to come in, break up the pin. I was going to almost like Rock and Roll Express style drag Andy to the corner. I come into the ring. I eat a super kick. The one guy goes for a spear. Uh, I leapfrog him. He hits the buckle. And then we do our uh, tag team finish sequence that starts off with a superplex. So, again, we're improving everything. The crowd is going crazy. Everything's going well. Everything seems to be fitting really, really well. You know, nothing seems out of place. That You know, you're kind of in a groove. Everything's going well. And uh, they go for the finish, and but they do it on me, which the the one spot we had called was it goes on Andy. <laughs> so I'm sitting there like, okay, well, I have to sell this, no problem. But I'm trying to think how I get in a transition. Now, Rob, we talked to go the other day. We talked a little bit the other day. I watched one tag match five times in the last two weeks. And you know what that tag match was, right? Of course I do. Of course I do. <laughs> of course I do. Now, <laughs> now, if you remember, the finish was Kari goes to pick up EO. EO breaks up the uh, like the <laughs> her picking her up and drills her with a palm strike, which leads into the two way dragon suplex, leads into the greatest moonsault you've ever seen, and that was the finish. So I take the uh, the finish. The, uh, Andy breaks up the pinfall. The guy goes to grab me to pick me up, and he's like, "Where do we go now?" And I was like, "Well, EO threw the palm strike. I can throw a giant forearm, and everything flowed from there." So see how that all tied into stardom there, sir. So uh, these so transitions, not only was that, man. 
These yes. transitions, unbelievable. Yeah. So then afterwards, you know, we got a standing ovation. Everyone told us uh, how much we they enjoyed it. The commentating team put us over really, really well. And then we were told by the promoter that sometimes the end, sometime at the end of the summer, beginning of fall, they're getting tapped to do a wrestling show at a comic book convention. And they were pretty much like, we need you guys to be there since everything we pretty much do is comic accentuated. So there's a very good chance, fingers crossed. I know these things fall through a lot, but uh, I'm going to kind of put it out there. There's a very good chance that we will be wrestling at a comic book convention, which only tells me really, really one thing is no matter how much money we make on merchandise and the uh, and how much money we make in wrestling, we're probably going to lose money by walking around <laughs> and spending it on comic book stuff because we because we are two responsible adults. Of course, of course. And you hear comic book convention, and it's a case of how much can I carry home? Um, I'm, yeah. I'm completely with you, bro. I'm completely with you. But congratulations. Yeah, and, and, thank you. And then to tie that into a bow, uh, tonight I'm going to go see Chris Jericho's band Fozzy uh, with my best friend, same one that got engaged, my dad, and uh, Lily, my daughter. So it's the first time I'm taking Lily to a concert with me. So all around, just uh, exciting things and uh, and talking to you about stardom. So that's why I am, you know, usually I'm at like 100% happy, but I'm like 1,000% happy today, so. Well, I certainly hope Fozzie, uh, Fozzie impress. I've seen live footage of Fozzie before. I must admit, I'm not the biggest Fozzie fan. I probably like three Fozzie songs, but I imagine they're a riot live. And obviously seeing Chris Jericho is uh, is a huge thing. I hope you have a lovely time. Um, Thank you, sir. No problem. Let's kick into episode 61 of the Stardom cast. Then we've got a little bit of news um, from around the universe of Stardom. And then we're going to look at the two shows that they ran this week. Um, the one from Matsuyama in um, on the 9th of April. And then the second round of the Cinderella tournament from the 10th of April um, in Osaka, which acted as the second big bracket buster of the tournament so far but we won't get into that yet let's savor the disappointment um but first we've got some news so it was announced that obviously after the success of stardom new blood one um which was the show where they showcased a lot of the younger talent from a lot of different josie promotions there will in fact be a new blood two and we announced on the last podcast that had been announced that it will be on may 13th well we have had a venue um and we have also had the first two matches for that show confirmed so our first match confirmed as a singles match, um, May Sakurai versus Suzu Suzuki in what I can only assume is going to be an absolute mercy killing um, on the part of Suzu Suzuki towards May Sakurai. I can't see May Sakurai getting in any offense, never mind winning, Matt. I just hope she hits that uh, elbow drop that Kari Sane stole after. It's uh, all joking aside. It, it was kind of wild that I saw that. I'm like, okay, you're really anybody. You could have put her up against anybody on the stardom roster, and it's May Sakurai. But then you, you take a step back, and it, it, you're giving you know May Sakurai a rep against somebody that stardom's you know kind of pushing a little bit, you know, uh, with the whole invasion angle. So it's almost going to be like a sink or swim thing, I think, with May Sakurai. I think it's just like, okay, here's the deal. We're going to put her out there with Suzu Suzuki. She has a lot to uh, to kind of show. Obviously, she's got a big uh, a big following, you know, coming into uh, uh, World Climax. So I think this is going to be a sink or swim thing for May Sakurai. But I, I kind of going to lean with you that this is going to be 
70, 75% of the offense for Suzu Suzuki. I just hope that she hits that elbow drop just so I can literally text you as it happens. Just be like, <laughs> oh, Kari Saint stealing moves again. Imagine the reaction if May Sakurai wins. Imagine just the silence. Oh man. <laughs> oh, man. But what a way to cement Suzu Suzuki as a babyface by having an absolutely pummel poor May Sakurai. Um, we've also got a six woman tag team match. And this is very interesting. We've got the younger Weretai team of Rina Ruaka and Starlight Kid going up against a Cosmic Angels team of Mina Shirakawa, Yunagi Sayaka, and a mystery teammate otherwise known as x so yes matt it seems that every single podcast we do together we're introducing a new secret person coming to stardom it makes it very very exciting but i honestly have absolutely no idea who this could be yeah no clue i mean unless you have got (laughs) unless you have got someone from was there someone from a different promotion? Like they teased that they were going to have people from other promotions as part of a Weratai. Maybe they have someone from, I don't know, just tap out or something like that as like a member of cosmic angels when they're a part of stardom, but you know, they are still a part of just tap out. Maybe, maybe something like that will happen. I don't know. I can't keep up with all of the different mystery women. Um, as for the venue, um, it's going to be taking place in Tokyo New Pier Hall. Now, obviously, they sold out the first New Blood show with around 400 people, I think. Um, this venue has around a 600 people capacity. I can only find one promotion to have ever run this venue, um, and that is Best Body Japan, um, who have run the venue achieving 558 people for their first anniversary show. I think they've wrestled, I think they've done two of their anniversary shows at this, but I don't know. How familiar are you with Best Body Japan, Chris? Uh, Chris, Matt, even. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> My brother's mate's called okay. Chris, and I've just seen him today. That's why. <laughs> That's okay, brother. I, I don't know. Is this the promotion that Rick Rude uh, and Paul Roma own? I don't, I don't, I don't know. I never, I never heard it, but if you're saying only one per one, wrestling companies ever ran there before it's an untapped market and if they did over 500 people from a promotion i never heard of up until 30 seconds ago as always rob you the research you do is fantastic um they'll probably do you know between five and six hundred you know for, for this like i said it's an untapped market and if they can do between five and six hundred for this it might be something where stardom on these quote-unquote road to shows maybe that's another venue that that they can run where they can draw really well so uh yeah, we'll see. Interesting. Interesting. Uh, you know, Rossi Ogawa is not one to shy away from new challenges. Uh, surely, you know, when we saw that with the back-to-back two pay-per-views, you know, he did really well. The numbers were really well. And here he is. He's going into a new blood show, you know, another new blood show and an untapped venue. Um, so, yeah, interesting. Interesting to see, to, to see how well that they do. But I think that they're going to draw well. I bet you they do over 500. I'd, I'd be very surprised if they didn't, to be perfectly honest. I imagine you'll be aiming for... 520 i imagine um on the back of how well new blood one did um moving on now obviously i don't know if everyone has heard um but unfortunately um shinjiro tani was paralyzed um on april the 10th after taking a german suplex during a uh, pro wrestling zero one match against um takashi segura and um, the prognosis doesn't look great. Obviously, at the I know he was heading in for surgery not uh, not too long ago. 
Uh, I think it was yesterday. I think Dave Meltzer um, announced that. Um, Otani's fantastic wrestler. Ironically, I've just finished his match with Eddie Guerrero from the 1995 Starcade, an absolutely outstanding match. Um, outstanding junior heavyweight. Um, I know it's not stardom news, um, but obviously I just wanted to um, put across our best wishes. And Kyrie um, is selling a lot of signed merchandise, um, and she's going to be donating part of those sales to the Shinjiro um, Otani Medical Fund, which I think is tremendous. So uh, if you're thinking of a way to help out with Otani, buy some Kyrie stuff, and uh, some of the money will be going towards his medical bills. On a slightly happier note, so obviously the Dream Festival, which is what the Corrigan Hall 60th anniversary show was called. That happened today as we record the Corrigan Hall 60th anniversary festival, Joshi Pro Wrestling Dream Festival. It's a mouthful and a half. Um, but that drew 1,251 people. So a great attendance for that show. Unfortunately, me and Matt said we would like to review that, at least review the stardom matches for the stardom cast. But unfortunately, it seems the pay-per-view seems to be locked to Japan. So at the moment, at least, we can't give you anything. I don't really want to just run through the results without having seen the show. One thing that did come out of this, though, is um, Suri confronted the five-time Sendai Girls World Champion, Chihiro Hashimoto. Now, both me and Matt have said this before. We're not overly okay with women that aren't that don't wrestle regularly in stardom. However, this has created a lot of buzz online, um, and I'm very excited to see this pay per view, Matt. Um, I don't know about you. Yeah, that's uh, I I did not hear about that, but I've heard of uh, Hashimoto before. Now, is is that any relation to uh, the late great Shinji Hashimoto? I couldn't tell you. I could not tell you. I don't think so, but I could be wrong. I'll uh, I'll find out. Carry on talking. Yeah, no. Um, like I said, I, just because when you hear the name Hashimoto, um, you know, you Rob, you just said that we're really not too familiar with any uh, any uh, promotion really outside of stardom. But I've heard that name. Uh, you know, obviously has a buzz about just how good she is, and again, again, the name Hashimoto goes a long way with me. So I did check out some of her stuff, and that will be an absolute fantastic match. And it's nice to see that you pretty much have your ace of the company. You know, the uh, red belt champion, the uh, winner of last year's five star Grand Prix, and she's dipping her toe in different waters. Uh, like I said, that had to be a really barn burner match, something right up my alley. I mean, I enjoy all aspects of wrestling, but the hard hitting, you know, no BS, no see through, you know. Uh, almost like MMA style, um, almost shoot style wrestling is what excites me the most. And Sherry's one of the best that do it. Uh, and like a match against Hashimoto from the limited stuff that I've seen of her, that uh, that definitely tickles my fancy. Did they announce a, a date or a venue or anything for it, Rob, or they just kind of just thrown it out there? Nothing at all. Nothing at all. Um, it doesn't look, no, it doesn't look like she's any relation. Well, thank you for doing the research, sir. You went one step farther than I did. (laughs) What a guy. What a guy. (laughs) The reason I brought this up was because in the main event, um, 
is Starlight Kid, obviously, from Stardom. And she did an interview with Tokyo Sports where she said that when she was a child, um, she watched the Nagisa Nozaki debut match and Neo Japan's final event at Corrigan Hall. So it's very emotional for her to fight against her in the Dream Festival. So it's nice that something like this has led to Starlight Kid wrestling one of her idols. I think that's a really, really nice thing to tie off that whole pay-per-view. Um, and speaking of sort of dream matches, so to speak, um, the next Hannah Kimura show, um, I think we talked about a while ago, Matt, was going to be called Bagus, B-A-G-U-S, and it was going to be on the 23rd of May. We have had our main event of that show confirmed, and it is going to be Suri versus Vinny, or Asuka, whichever um, you refer to them as. That match, now obviously, the I've seen Vinny on AEW, I've seen them wrestle um, against Kagetsu on the last Hanakimura Memorial show, and they are tremendous. They are an absolute talent we talk all the time about Io Shirai's moonsault theirs might be not as good but a very 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 close second this match versus Suri is going to be absolutely incredible Matt how much have you seen of you know Asuka or Venny or uh, whatever you refer to them as really just the AW stuff and then maybe some YouTube clips here or there yeah and I did see that reference boy Series calendar is really uh, filling up. Obviously, challenge Suzu Suzuki. Obviously, you know, we'll talk about her next title uh, challenger, you know, once we get into the results from these past two shows. And then you throw in these two, like, kind of, like, interpromotional matches as well. It's, uh, I mean, she's going to have some absolute bangers. It's kind of like, how do I top, how does she top 2021, you know, with the two, you know, five-and-a-half-star classics she had with uh, Utami, obviously the great tag title run she had with uh, Julia as part of ALK. The fantastic five star and the five star with uh, final with Momo. I guess this is one way to do it. You know, you, you're kind of going a different direction. It's just like, well, I've had all these great, you know, interpromotion matches. I'm the champion. Uh, how am I going to get more eyes on myself? And this is a great way to do it. This is a great way to do it. But uh, boy, you know, uh, as big fans of Sherry, I know me and you are both excited for everything that she has coming up. So yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting. Going to be interesting to see. Then, I, you know, I kind of wonder. If uh, Venny has a really, really good showing, which I know she will, I wonder if they'll bring her in for uh, for more dates. You know, maybe they'll bring her in for the five star because we mean you talk all the time. There's they don't have enough competitors for the five star, and they need more. So that is true. I mean, <laughs> that is true. I mean, we could easily we could easily do with some more competitors. I mean, we haven't got 16 per block yet, so uh, I feel like there's only going to be more room for wrestlers in five-star. Oh, Jesus. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be a year-long tournament, isn't it? Let's be perfectly honest. Um, yeah. Let's kick into um, these shows then. So the first one was in Itamahimi Matsuyama um, on Saturday the 9th of April in front of 302 people and we opened with tag team match the queen's quest team of azumi and saya kamatani defeating the stars team of saya ida and momokogo with azumi pinning saya ida with the azumi sushi in seven minutes and 55 seconds on these let again don't want to use the phrase lesser shows but on these smaller shows let's say 
often you can miss the first match. It's it's a rookie or it's a younger wrestler or something like this. I thought this was a brilliant way to open this card. Seven minutes of... It was just ferocious. It was really, really quickly paced, and I loved it. Yeah, I guess maybe we should start calling them spot shows. I heard somebody the other day say spot shows. I'm like, oh, maybe we'll steal that. That, that sounds a little more... Uh... Thumbs up. But yeah, I totally agree. I thought both these shows were, were excellent. I didn't think there was one bad match at all. And actually, there was two matches that were like four stars for me. But, you know, we talked about with Saya beating Utami at World Climax. Like, is Saya now the new leader of Queen's Quest? To me, it seems like it's Azumi now. Uh, you know, ever, ever since that instant classic match she had with Starlight Kid, you know, she, she's, she has this more aura about her. Like, she comes out, she's got the rope, she has the longer hair. Now she has the new gear. What did you think about her new gear? I thought her new gear looked excellent. I, genuinely, she has stepped up her game hugely. And I think you're absolutely right. I think she seems to be that sort of leading presence, let's say, in Queen's Quest. I mean, she's certainly carrying herself as a leader. And let's not forget that she is second in tenure only to Momo Watanabe in that Queen's Quest lineup. So if we're going on tenure alone, Azumi should be the leader, surely. Yeah, I think so. She just, I mean, she's always been great in the ring. I mean, we talk about it all the time. I mean, you know, ever since she was, you know, 14, 15, she's always been great in the ring and she just gets better, you know, with, with, with each outing. But now you add that, she just has that. It's one thing for me to be good from bell to bell, which she always has. But now she's excellent from curtain to curtain from the time you know her music hits to the time she cuts the curtain and again you know she's got the longer hair sometimes she's carrying the queen uh queen's quest flag she has the robe and then you kind of throw on this not that her gear was bad before this but like now she has this new gear where it just kind of shines it just pops it just works for her it's just adding just a new layer uh towards the Izumi character and i thought she was terrific here I thought her and Saya teaming up, um, they're great. I think any any combination of the Queen's Quest team t- timing, uh, teaming up is really good. I thought Momo Kogo, she gets better with each outing, too. I thought her forearms here, Rob, look really, really good. Did you notice? Like, that? not only her forearms, but her strikes, her drop kicks. Like, everything seemed well-timed, well on point, and she was hitting with a little bit more force. I'm I'm a big fan of Momo Kogo at the moment. She's come in, and, you know, obviously we know she's a rookie, but she doesn't wrestle like she is a rookie. She seems to, every time she wrestles, she seems to take something on board and come back the very next match having improved it. And she's she's someone who is the living embodiment of reps helps because every time she has been in the ring, there has been a noticeable, noticeable improvement, whether it's in her transitions, whether it's in her selling, whether it's in her offense and strikes. She's improving all the time. And I think... If this is the caliber of rookie that we're going to get her, Mio Amasaki, if that's who we're going to get as our next class sort of of stardom rookies, we're in for a very, very, very exciting time. Because I thought if you looked at this match, you know, we had Sai Rida, who's great, Azumi, who's fantastic, Sai Kamatani, who's the second highest belt holder in stardom. Momo Kogo didn't look out of place. And that's a big compliment when you consider who's in that ring match. Yeah, and I thought majority of the match, I've noticed in these tag matches, like once it gets break down and once you kind of get to the meat and potatoes of it, it kind of almost breaks down to like a singles match and you're kind of like, and I always say on this podcast, I'm like, ooh, you know, I like to get eight, ten minutes of that. And for this one, it's very clear it was Saeeda versus Zumi. 
Um, and maybe they do a Saeeda versus Zumi high-speed match just because, again, that division, there's not a lot of people, and that would be something I would be interested to see. Um, I think Saeeda, I think, would be something completely different because she would come at you with, like, the faster shoulder blocks and the, the bigger strikes and the faster clotheslines. I think that would be uh, something interesting. But, I mean, this is, I'm sure Saeeda and Zumi have tangled up before, but this is a completely different Zumi and, a, you know, a, and a healthy Saeeda. So I thought that was really, really fun to see. And, you know, I think they, they started out right with Izumi getting the Izumi Sushi for the win. I thought this was, yeah, again, a, a very solid opener, a really good way to, to get the crowd warmed up. Yeah, absolutely. Gave it three and a quarter stars. Thought it set everyone off on the right foot. And again, I'm going to echo what you said. I don't think there was a single bad match on this show. I th- uh, in, On either show, actually. I thought both shows did very, very well. What did you give this opener, Matt? I was the same as you, three and a quarter, brother. Let's move on then to our singles match. Tommy Hayashishta defeating Lady C with the German suplex in four minutes and 18 seconds. What really tickled me to start off with this match, Matt, was Utami gives the rose to a woman on the front row and then looks at the posters she's got on her knee only to find that none of them are of Utami. And I thought that was really, really funny, just the look of... Really mild disappointment on Utami's face, having sought this woman out to give her the rose. I was like, "That poor Utami, poor Utami." However, <laughs> h- however, from being in Utami's situation there, from being a wrestler, probably what that did is maybe that lady's like, "Wow, they gave me the rose at intermission or at the end of the show. I'm going to buy Utami's poster and I'm going to buy her shirt." So Utami might have had, you know, I think she might have, uh, she might have done herself a service there by, you know, like I, I have every single poster of every starting wrestler here, but the person that gives me the rose, I'm going to go out and buy the poster <laughs> and the shirt. That's a possibility. That might, that's what might have happened. So she might have got herself a little sale there. Maybe. May- clever business there from Utami then. <laughs> um, this feels very much like a schooling for Lady C, or as I feel like she should be known from now on, Matt, are you ready for this? Great, I'm ready. I'm sitting down. The great car C. Oh. Holy. Oh, my God. Folks, <laughs> it's been a wonderful journey on the starting pass. <laughs> I, 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 I'm taking the headphones off, shutting my phone off. Wow. How long did you, how long did you think of that one, brother? <laughs> I, I saw them. I saw you taught me block the great Carly brain chop, and I was like, "Oh, it's just like the great Carly." Oh, the great cost. I'm not saying it's an immediate t-shirt design, but it's definitely going up on our merch store. 100%. Oh my god, that's totally that's totally getting ordered by me. But I. <laughs> but um... if, you, if, you, if you're gonna not say the giant Baba chop and do the great Carly chop, which I know I'm not gonna get you out of that. Just as a rip to me, can you at least just go full board and just say WWE Hall of Famer, the great colleague chap? Just, <laughs> brother, don't tip, don't dip your toe in the water. Just jump, jump right in, just jump right in. Throw some respect <laughs> on the great Carly's name. Um, Absolutely. <laughs> in all seriousness, though, I thought I thought the great Carly had a great showing here. I thought she was. She had some re- pretty cool grappling, transitioning from um, into like a double wrist lock and a hammer lock in the opening exchanges. Um, Utami even lets her at a choke slam, but otherwise, Utami pretty much throws Lady C around like she weighs nothing. I'll never not be impressed by her deadlift human suplex. Yeah, I think I even said on a podcast a couple months ago that she should be she should use that more as a finish, and uh, it worked well here, especially for somebody as tall as Lady C. But I'll say this: you know, we talked about Azumi coming in with a completely different presence. 
Lacey's right there as well. She's like a completely different wrestler than she was five or six months ago. You know, we talked that where she was in Queen's Quest, she was, you know, I think she had like 79 losses or something the last year and a half. And then she's basically getting drafted into, you know, what I always call the horseman, you know, the, the horseman of Queen's Quest just because there's all solid workers there. I think she's been fitting in nicely. Like, again, from curtain to curtain, she comes in a completely different charisma, completely different, like, presence about her. She seems more confident. Everything she does in the ring makes sense. Yeah, and this was, they, you know, I, I know we call it the great Kali chop, but, but like, in all seriousness, they had a really nice uh, psychology spot where she goes for the I'm, Baba chop. I'm going to call it what it is, <laughs> the Baba chop, and Utami's able to get out of it. And then just a couple seconds later, Utami, or excuse me, Lady C gets the advantage on Utami, and then she does the Baba chop from the second rope. So she's kind of building up the move. But yeah, this was solid. The psychology was there, and I thought the finish was, was really, really good. But Lady C just c- comes out to me as completely way more confident, way more assured of herself uh, in the ring, you know, more of a presence. Like, I think she's oozing a lot more charisma than she was five or six months. And I think she's fitting in really, really well with this new audition at Queen's Quest. Yeah, I think she's another one that, again, those reps have really, really helped. And I think having a home has certainly helped as well, you know, she's constantly teaming with the same people now um you know it was all very well her being a rookie but you know she teamed with a lot with cosmic angels then with queen's quest and then did a little bit with stars and teaming with different people is a lot more difficult than teaming with the same people the same four people every single show because then you get to know each other's and you'll know this far better than me Matt obviously but you get to know each other's sort of signals and things like that and it helps you to improve as a wrestler so I think she's massively improved and I think being in the ring with Utami was uh, was a good step for her here because even though as I said at the start it felt like a little bit of a schooling for Utah uh, for Lady C sorry I thought she took it remarkably well. She didn't look out of place. Um, Again, I gave it three stars. Again, four minutes and 18 seconds is not the longest match in the world, but they did what they needed to do, and it looked good in the process, Matt. Yeah, I was three and a quarter, so I was right right along there with you, brother. Match three, a six-woman tag team match. The first time we have seen God's Eye, Suri Mirai and Amisori defeating the Donna Del Mondo team of Julia Tekla and Mei Sakurai with Mirai tapping out Mei Sakurai with the Miramare in 14 minutes and 23 seconds. First thing I think we need to talk about, Matt, is we apparently have a brand new hand gesture for God's Eye. And I don't want to say it's a direct ripoff of the Undisputed Era, but it's about as close as you can get. I did not see that. So now my question to you is, which one's Kyle O'Reilly, which one's Bobby Fish, and which one is Adam Cole? Um, I feel like it's Suri, baby. I feel like she's the leader. She's the central presence. She's got to be Adam Cole. Um, Mirai, I feel, is Kyle O'Reilly. Yeah, striker. Yeah, the two yeah. best strikers, sure. And then, um, and she's also got that that dry, funny side as well that Kyle has. And then I think that by default makes Sammy sorry, uh, Bobby Fish, <laughs> which is fine because Bobby Fish is my favorite member of Red Dragon anyway. So, um, but here, I love this dynamic. I love the fact that Suri has left on a Del Mondo. But it's not a case of, right, well, that's it. We've got hatred between her and Julia. It's almost like a... Julia likes this because it gives her another challenge. And I like that different dynamic to when people just 
turn on their faction or something like that. Suri wanted to leave to do something different, to be able to spread her wings, per se. Julia didn't stand in a way, though, you know, I'm sure Julia would have liked Suri to stick around. It's not a case of, right, well, she's left, therefore she's dead to me. It's a case of, these two are going to push each other, you know, and it's only going to help them improve as singles competitors. And I like the fact that that's the dynamic they've gone with, especially between those two. What about you? Yeah, it's completely different. I and mean, we've seen over the years, especially in American wrestling, where somebody leaves a faction, uh, you know, Kurt Henning leaving the Horsemen, Sting getting, getting uh, you know, thrown out of the Horsemen. Uh, we saw, you know, the split between the NWO, Black and White, and the Wolfpack. So it's always just like, you always would see like a turn, where this is just like, no, I'm going to start my own faction because... Obviously, as Donald Mundo, we ran this, you know, for the last year and change. So now I want to split off and I want to do my own thing to try to take the top spot. So uh, it's a completely different dynamic and something we rarely, rarely see in wrestling. I mean, it's easy to kind of go, you know, paint by numbers, but they did something different here. And the way this match was laid out, I thought it was absolutely perfect. I mean, everything made sense when you look at it. I mean, they basically start with uh, Sherry and Julia, which, uh, you know, obviously right, th- right from there, just from them not even touching, just them circling, the crowd is going to, you know, scoot up a little bit. It's like, okay, you know, here is the uh you know where the split is you know where the heat is where the money is the two of them just came off a fantastic match from world climax and then amy sora is in the, in the mat the majority of the match which again makes sense because she's as far as stardom fans go she's the newest one out of the six so it's like we need to see you know more of her to show we should what we can do and obviously she can do a lot so i thought that was really smart by uh showcasing her pretty much the most out of any of these six and then we kind of knew what the finish was going to be. We all knew that May Sakurai was going to be eating the fall. And they did a really good job here. I thought May Sakurai looked really good uh, in offense and defense. Her selling was good. You know, her offense was well-placed when it needed to be. And then they basically built up the double wrist lock. You know, she, she uh, Mariah had her in it and the double wrist lock. She tried to get away. And then Mariah eventually just kind of just like judo takes her down and gets her to tap out. I thought this was a simple so- story, a very solid match. And I had this one at three and a half stars. And I thought did a very good job of showcasing all these uh all these talents here. It seems to be a running theme at the moment on this podcast episode that we're talking about people having improved. I completely agree with you. I think May Sakurai, this is one of her better showings. Um, one thing I am going to ask, though, did you think there was any any relevance to the fact that Julia came out in her red gear again for this match? I think maybe just because she spent new money on gear, you just don't wear it once. <laughs> <laughs> coming from my coming from my perspective, I can't t- I I can't tell you how much money I've spent on gear. I probably spent like five hundred dollars on gear during the pandemic. And my wife's like, "What do you? You're not wrestling anywhere." I'm like, "Ah, you know, keep. I'm trying to keep these guys in business, I guess." But it's like maybe that's what it was, or maybe everything else was. I, I'm guilty of this too. Maybe sometimes you forget to throw it in the laundry, and it's just like, "Oh, I wanted to wear my Quantum Realm gear. I completely forgot to put that in the laundry." It usually takes a day or two to dry because my wife, God bless her, she hand washes that stuff. So I have to wear the Wolverine gear, or the plain black gear, or the Captain Marvel gear. Maybe that's a possibility as well. I don't know, but. Uh, <laughs> That's a good question. I'm really not sure. <laughs> Here was me going to go on some sort of conspiracy theory about how <laughs> that's going to be the gear she wears against Suri until she beats Suri for the red belt. And you're there pragmatic as ever. <laughs> ah, she just hadn't washed it. Okay, cool. Let's go with that. <laughs> um, I did love this match, though. I thought they all had really great chemistry. Mirai, every time I see her, she looks more and more like a star that you can hang. She looks... I don't want to say she looks like a better Himika because she doesn't. Himika's fantastic. 
I just I feel like there's more of a star quality in Mirai that Himika hasn't quite got yet. I think Himika is able to get there. And again, love Himika. Love the Jumbo Princess. Think she's great. But Mirai's got that certain something. That's intangible almost. And I don't know whether it's just charisma, the way she carries herself. I don't know what it is, but she has something that Himika hasn't quite got. In ring, both tremendous. And I think that singles match, who doctor? I don't know. There's just something that I find so captivating about Mirai. Um, And obviously, at the moment, she is still in the Cinderella tournament. She has got to be a huge huge bet to win that tournament now um, and obviously we'll talk a little bit more about that when we go on to the 10th of April show um, what did you think about this match wise did you think three and a half Matt did you say yeah I gave it three and a half yeah I think I gave it about three and a half I wasn't sure whether to give it three and a half or three and three quarters but I thought this was a very very good showcase a good first chapter in the uh, God's Eye versus Donna Del Mondo feud that I'm sure is going to go on for years and years and years to come um, match four, then a six woman tag team match. We had the team of my Himi Poi taking on the stars team of my Wibatani, Hazuki, and Kogama. And it ended in a time limit draw 15 minutes. Makes perfect sense. As my Himi Poi said, you've either got, wait, basically, if we beat you, you don't get a title shot. So makes sense for stars not to lose. Um, the best bit of this match, which was an excellent match, another really, really good match on this card, um, was Mayu Iwatani forgetting, apparently, her own name because they started the introduction for Hazuki and Mayu just wandered forward to do her entrance thing and Hazuki had to stop her and the ring attendant had to stop her, which, again, just Mayu doing Mayu things, Matt. You got a wrestler in the history of wrestling, you'd probably be like... What a dumbass. But it's like, it's almost at a point you watch it and you laugh. And then I went back and watched it again. And I'm like, I wonder if she did that on purpose. I wonder if like only she knew she was going to do it to kind of like rib Hazuki and to try to get the My Hema Boy team to kind of laugh. I, 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 don't, I don't even know. I don't care. But I thought it was hilarious. And I'm also a big fan of that the, uh, that whatever uh, high or whatever grade school that they were by, that they got the fifth grade class to paint their jackets. I thought that was really good <laughs> as well to finger paint their jackets. <laughs> that is harsh. That is Again, harsh. if this was, yeah, yeah, <laughs> no, but it's stars. It makes it, if this was like you know Queen's Quest stuff needs to look at t- top of the line. Donald Mundo's stuff needs to look at top of the line. Like Cosmic Angels, they have their own thing going on there. But the fact that it's stars led by Mayu Utani, it makes perfect sense that they took these velour jackets. And just basically just finger painted stars on. I'm like, of course, of course, it, of course it would. And I'm like, no. And I, again, you're saying it's harsh. I mean that as a compliment. <laughs> it it is something that makes that team so damn endearing. Like stars for so long were the whipping boys last year, or whipping girls, um, obviously. Um, of the promotion last year, they were being beaten from pillar to post, losing members left, right, and center. And it was just a case of it's Mayu and friends. And now just, they're such, they just seem to be having so much fun as a part of that stable. Like Hazuki, who I've only ever seen before as like, you know, aggressive Oeda Tai Hazuki is coming out and just, she can't stop laughing at just the absolute, chaos that is Mayu Iwatani being Mayu Iwatani 
and it just it makes it so wholesome i really do like it and then they come out you know we have these ridiculous shenanigans to start off with and then they kick into an absolutely fantastic match matt yeah and you you know i kind of what you touched upon i kind of want to touch upon it and at the end of last year beginning of this year you were saying that you were expecting hazuki to turn pretty much at any moment because of like just how aggressive she is and she's been you know that heel from a way to tie for so long now you look at it it's like i don't see her at all leaving stars at all i think she's just the perfect fit such a great baby face um but i thought this was the best match of the two shows i thought this was probably the best six person uh starter match i've seen in quite some time and the best non-pay-per-view match uh from stardom this year as well i, I thought this was fantastic uh, everything was solid um uh i thought the uh Koguma, to start off, you had the Koguma Jumbo stuff where she's trying to do the bear dance and try to hypnotize her. And I just thought it would have been so funny if like Jumbo just like booted her. And then when Koguma <laughs> turned around, she just ate a she just ate a lariat and then she pinned her. I just thought that would have been so funny. It would have been like and then as they're leaving, Maya looks at the camera and says, Easy payday, brother. I thought that would have been good. <laughs> However, what they gave me was way better than what I thought way better than, than that. Like I said, I just thought this was fantastic. The time limit draw made sense. I kind of figured that that's where they were going to go here. I thought the way that it ended with the Hazuki Natsupoi stuff, I thought was really, really good. Um, I mean, it basically showed some of Hazuki's uh, high-speed stuff and then basically doing some uh, research. And by research, I mean reading the book Living the Dream, Stardom's 10th anniversary <laughs> in review. There it is. There it is. I realized that Hazuki was a former high-speed champion. So I was like, yeah, that makes sense. But uh, I think this was this was fantastic. I mean, there's really no notes that I can do this any justice. Uh, if you haven't watched this yet, please go out of your way to, to see it. I, ha- I, I, I hope this leads to a, a rematch with the belts on the line just to make it that more important. And with a main event, maybe a Corkin or a bigger show where they don't give them a time limit. Because I have this one at four and a half stars. That's how much I enjoy this one. Wow. I didn't... I- I liked the match, don't get me wrong. I didn't quite like it to that extent, but I thought the chemistry, this broke down more than any other tag match on these two shows. I thought this broke down into distinct singles matches. And obviously there's a, there was a lot of Natsupoi and Kagama, which we've seen a fair amount of, but you're right. Sometimes you do forget that Hazuki was a fantastic pioneer of the high speed division. Like she was the one who sort of started this high speed matches only going five, six, seven minutes because she wanted to try and beat people as quickly as she possibly could. But here, you know, it was seamless the stuff she was doing with Natsupoi. And I thought, I'd like to see her in that division, but also I want better things for Hazuki. And that's not a slight on the high-speed division. They do need more people. Otherwise, we're doomed to watch Kagama versus Natsupoi versus Starlight Kid versus Azumi for the rest of the for the rest of our days. Um, but I don't know. I feel like Hazuki has done that. She's been there, and then to leave and then come back and then be reinserted back into the high-speed division would it would feel like a step backwards for her. Um, and I don't, again, I don't mean that in a disparaging way. There are some very, very talented wrestlers in that division, but Hazuki needs to be pushing for the white belt now. And I've got a little bit of a theory going on, um, a little bit later on, um, Mayu versus Himika. I know we've seen it once in a singles match. I want to see it again because the way Himika tossed Mayu around that ring and the noises that Mayu was making as though it was having the air literally squashed out of her body every single time she took a move did so much to show the power of Himika. 
And it's such a it's so annoying that she's not winning the Cinderella, but they've done a good job of building her ahead of her inevitable red belt match, which we're going to be talking about soon. I think Mayu did a fantastic job. She wasn't in this match for a long time, which, you know, is sort of part and parcel of these six woman tags. We need to protect her, especially as her back is made of sand. But I thought she did a fantastic job of selling Himika's ridiculously high powered offense. I'm never going to get sick of seeing the Micah and Himika tag team. I think they are a great tag team. The way they attack people in the corner, whereas some people you feel like you are just going through the motions as they hit the splashes in the corner. The speed and the power with which Micah and Himika head into those corner splashes, those corner clotheslines, is frightening at times. Um, I'm going to go. I'm going to go flat four for this. I thought it's definitely one of the matches of the two shows, um, probably the match of this show. Um, so if you are going to only go and watch one show of this match, uh, sorry, one match of this show, go and check out this one. But a very, very, very good outing for all people involved. And I haven't even mentioned Kogama's Bear Dance, which goes to show how much I enjoyed this match. Do you think that they tossed uh, Mayu around and beat her up that much as a punishment for her messing up the entrance? Do you think that has something to do with it? <laughs> Mayu Iwatani could burn down the venue and they wouldn't punish her. I read, I read, um, I read an interview with her, um, and it, someone had posted on Twitter. I'd, I'd love to shout out who did it, but I, I can't remember. I haven't got it in front of me. And um, it was something about a, a show which she wasn't on a couple of years ago. And um, she said, oh, yeah, I was supposed to be on that show. I just overslept. And it was like, okay. And then she was like, but I was also too ashamed to turn up to the next venue. So I thought, I'll be all right. And I just went back to sleep. Okay, Mayu, sure, why not? And then she was like, yeah. And then I woke up and it said, oh, the card's been changed. And she was like, oh, well, looks like I'm not on that card either. And I was like... (laughs) No other wrestler on the stardom roster would get away with being Mayu Iwatani. They really <laughs> wouldn't. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll, you know, you should always make your shots. You know, we talked about the team that I wrestled this past week and they showed up minutes before a match. But it's like, at the same time, Mayu's kind of always, she's earned that right. You know what I mean? Oh, I mean, God, it's, yeah. not something, it's, not, it's not something that she's done all the time. But it's one thing to say, like, I went to the wrong venue, I got stuck in traffic, and they were, I, mean, I had a flat tire. The fact she's just like, you know, she's just so honest to a fault. Like, she could use any of those excuses and would have been like, oh, you know, I had a flat tire. I got in a car accident or whatever. Or I wasn't feeling well. She's like, nah, I just overslept. Like, <laughs> she's so honest to a fault. God bless her. Like, really. She is a national, like, and world treasure. She really, really is. Oh, God, yes. Um, <laughs> uh, match five then the main event for this show is an eight woman tag team match the Ueda Tai team of Momo Watanabe Starlight Kid Ruwaka and Saki Kashima defeating the Cosmic Angels team of Tam Nakano Mina Shirakawa Yunagi Sayaka and Tam oh sorry and Waka Sukiyama saying Tam twice uh, with the Kishikasai in a shade over 16 minutes um, another enjoyable match um, there's not a great deal to say about this match if you've seen a weather tie versus Cosmic Angels. You'll have you'll have seen this match. It was one of them, but again, they've done such a good job of building this Wakasukiyama character. For a start, she still did the dance. You know, she's still part of Cosmic Angels, but then she's the one running to the ring first. She's determined to win, and then she comes. She's desperate for that tag right at the end, that hot tag when Tam had her ass handed to her, and she's like, "No, tag me in." And even Tam's not sure. And the, she tags her in. She's a house of fire. And then Saki Kashima rolls her up with the Kishikasai. And it's it's the most 
you, you're so sad for her, especially her reaction at the bell. But they are doing such a good job of building Wakasuki armor. And if that is the only thing that I'm watching these Cosmic Angels multi-woman tags for, then fine, because it's so entertaining. And that moment, like I say, every single podcast, that moment where she gets her win back is going to be absolutely tremendous, Matt. Yeah, and uh, you hit the nail right on the head, brother. I mean, they come out, they do the dance, and as soon as the dance is over, she runs right to the ring, and she's she's like super intense, and it's it's smart because it's I mean, let's call it like we see it that she's out of the four cosmic angels, she's number four in the batting order. You know, she she is number four, and every you know Tam always does what she needs to do to look good and make everybody look good. And same for Unagi and Mina, but the main focus on they they don't make it a throwaway. The main focus is on how can we stretch this waka character out and this waka store and they get a little bit more each and every time but i thought this was solid uh they did a really good job right from the beginning kind of everybody comes in and they get like a signature move to everyone establish themselves it kind of breaks down to tam versus saki and you notice that when tam hit saki with a violent shooting she kind of almost knocked her out like she seemed like she her bell was rung she was even signaling over to the ref and she was i can kind of tell she was using the ref to call spots back and forth between uh her and tam and uh, eventually, when the match was over after uh, Saki got the pinfall, you know they went right over and they kind of iced it. it. Looked like 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 she she must have rang her bell or hit her jaw or something, but she just she drilled her with that with that violent shooting. But uh, yeah, other than that, this was kind of just another paint by numbers match. But again, uh, everybody worked really hard, and I thought this was, this was pretty solid. And I had this one at three and a half stars. Yeah, I had it at three and a quarter. I thought Mina had a really good showing, actually, as well. She was the one that started out. She was really aggressive with Momo, but then took the heat really, really well as well. I think she's doing a lot better at the the balance between the comedy and the selling and the serious storytelling. Um, and I think she, she showed that side of a wrestling game very, very well during this match. I'd completely forgotten about the Saki spot. I've actually got it written down. I'd completely forgotten about that Violet shooting. Um, but yeah. Hopefully she's all right. She seemed okay during like the closing stages. Yeah. So she seemed okay. Fingers and again, she was on the tenth, so she must have been fine. Um, yeah, she probably probably just got her bell rung. That it's it, it's happened before. It's happened to me tons of times before. You kind of just get your bell rung. You just need to kind of hit the pause button just for a minute or two, and then uh, clear the cobwebs. Yeah, she seemed okay, but yeah, I mean, yeah, Tam really, really rocked her. And that's, you know, that's not Tam being, you know, unprofessional or unsafe. It's just like sometimes stuff happens. Sometimes you have your timing, you know, move that Tam's done a thousand times before, you know, and, and it looks like it looks really good, but it's really safe. And sometimes your timing is just off and, you know, and that happens. But yeah, I, I think that she just got her bell rung and she was good to go by the end of the match. Let's move on then to the second show, the Stardom Cinderella Tournament second round from the Edian Arena Osaka number two from Sunday the 10th of April in front of a sellout crowd of 661 people. Now, this is the highest attendance at the Edian Arena Osaka two, only the third time the company has broken 600 people and it is a sellout under COVID restrictions. The previous best was way back Back in 2016, the first time Stardom ran the venue um, as part of their Stardom X Stardom 2016 show. It was main evented by Tony Storm and Io Shirai for the SWA belt. Um, it was where Tony took the belt off Io. Um, and it was in front of 650 people. So this beats it out by just 11 people. Um, and then the other time, just for 
those people who care. The last time that Stardom broke 600 people there was 2019, the Stardom 9th anniversary in Osaka show, the JK Green tag match versus Mayu and Kagetsu, which is a fantastic match. That drew 626 people as well. So a really, really good showing here for Stardom. Again, showing the growth of the company. Um... We opened this show with a six-woman tag match. The Donna Del Mondo team of Micah, Natsupoy, and May Sakurai defeating the Queen's Quest team of Yutami Hayashishita, Saya Kamatani, and Lady C with the Michin- uh, Michinoku driver number two in 10 minutes and 35 seconds. I don't know if it is just the great car C's size, Matt, but it is always terrifying whenever she takes a Michinoku driver. Always. I don't know who you're talking I don't know who you're talking about. Was there somebody else in this match I don't know about? <laughs> you know exactly who I'm yeah, talking about. Oh, God, I might be having a beer here at lunchtime. Huh? <laughs> uh, yeah, Lady C and Mike always seem to have really good chemistry, but this match, you kind of knew with this going into this match what, what it was going to be and what it needed to do. It basically just sets a preview for the uh, the match coming up in, in May for Saya versus uh, Micah. For the white belt, and that's basically just what it was. That was the main points of, of the match. You know, your Tommy looked really good. Natsupoy, uh, you know, she did what she needed to do here. But essentially, that's what the match was. But yeah, it was really, really good. It was, it was smart. It was smart here for uh, Mikey to get the win to get some momentum going into uh, the white belt title match, which I'm really, really looking forward to. I this one at three and a quarter. You know, there was nothing. They didn't do anything crazy. They kept everything real simple. Everything made sense. Uh, everybody looked really, really good in here. Um, and again, it's it is very impressive for somebody as tall as Lady C. I'm assuming she's the tallest person on the roster, right? Or is, is Amy bigger than her, like taller? Um, I assume Lady C is taller. That's something I haven't actually checked. I would assume, pardon me, as as, oh. the, as that is her gimmick, you know, I am tall, then, and it's her entire packaging, really, Um, I would assume that she is the tallest. I mean, we're going to have to wait until uh, Lady C faces off against Amy to actually just compare them. There it is. There there it is, and then we'll talk about it on the podcast. Look at that. It gave us another topic. There you go. See, the the most important things is what we talk about on this podcast. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, match two is a tag team match. The God's Eye team of Mirai and Amisori defeating the Oeditai team of Saki Kashima and Ruwaka with the Lariat in nine minutes and 51 seconds. A couple of observations from me here. Um, the first thing, Give the goddesses of stardom belts to Mirai and Amisori and have them hold them for a year. Um, but the other thing that I've put, I noticed is stardom protecting Ruwaka. Like in this tag team match, there's absolutely no reason for her not to take the lariat and the loss. But it was Saki that took it. Does that surprise you? I see your point, Rob, but I'm going to, first of all, the, with the tag belt, I mean, the tag division is just crazy stacked. I see your point of view there, but obviously we're going to talk about how great Momo and Starlight Kid are, uh, you know, as, the, as a, this was the main event. Um, there's just so many dream tag matches that I just want to see just, uh, you know, it, with the tag, the tag teams that they're building up and the established tag teams. I see your point. Like, well, they, are they trying to protect Ruaka? I'll say this. I think that they're trying to get over the Larry as a finish, and Saki's a much better seller than Ruaka. And I think that's the main point. I think if you're looking at it, it's like, are we trying to protect Ruaka? No, we're trying to get uh, Mirai, the Larry, over as one of her finishes. Because as, as we know, when you get to the top tier 
of the stardom wrestlers, they have more than one finish. And I think, think that that was their end goal here is to get the Lariat over as a serious finish and that Saki is just a much better seller than Ruaka. Okay. Okay. I'll, t- I'll tell you that. Okay. <sighs> match three. Eight-woman tag team match. The Stars team of Mayu Iwatani, Momo Kogo, Sai Rida, and Kogama. Sorry, I lost my notes. Uh, defeated Cosmic Angels team of Tamnakano, Minishirakari, Yanagi Sayaka, and Wakasuki Yama. Mayu winning with the frog splash in 40 minutes and 52 seconds. You already know what is going to happen in this match. Waka is going to fire up, and then Waka is going to get pinned. Sunset, sunrise. Um, and that's pretty much how it panned out. But it was an entertaining match, Matt. Yeah, it sure was. They started with Momo Kogo uh, starting off with Tam, and I thought that was a nice exchange. Uh, and then, you know, Momo Kogo, one of the junior, junior members of the roster, they decide, well, we need a quadruple team on her. So I thought that was just <laughs> like Cosmic Angels being a bunch of jerks. It's like one thing if we could do it to Mayu or Sherry or Momo Wantanabe, but it's like, no, here's Momo Kogo. She's been in with the company five, six months. She weighs 80 pounds soaking, soaking wet. We'll get a little bit of advantage on her, and then we'll we'll do a four-on-one beatdown. Like, what a bunch of jerks. <laughs> but I just thought that was really funny. Uh, and Well, then it kind of makes sense because then it switches over to Saeed and Mina Shirakawa, and they have really good chemistry together. But eventually just Saeed just beating the bejesus out of Mina. Um, and then I got a question for you. I know the exchanges are with the two of them in the ring, just not, they weren't in the ring that much, but when did Mayu Iwatani and Koguma become the best tag team since Thunder Rock? Cause like their stuff that they did in there, I actually had to rewind it, their sequences. Like they seemingly, they flowed together so well, almost like Mayu and Iyu. <laughs> like, I was like, holy geez, like these two are great together. You forget that like Koguma is teaming with Hazuki. So I thought that was really good. And I thought um, they did a really good job of teasing time limit draw. Like, again, we, you kind of think, okay, you know that poor Waka's eating the fall here. And it's like you just hear the countdown, you hear the countdown, then Mayu hits the frog splash onto Waka and gets the pinfall. I think it was just like, what, 10 seconds, 10 or ten or 5 seconds before the bell, before the uh, time limit drop? Eight seconds. Wow. Yeah, they did really good. And who knows? Maybe the frog splash wasn't supposed to be the finish because you don't see Mayu winning too many matches with that. You figure she's going to the top, it's the moonsault. So I think she realized she was kind of running short on time, so she would just hit the frog splash. I could be wrong. But I thought maybe it just kind of got rushed there because they didn't realize how long they were going. But yeah, this was solid. You had a lot of uh, interchanging storylines going here. Um, I mean, how how is it not going to be bad with these two? I guess maybe my um, my biggest complaint about this match is, I, I, and I we talked about it when you, we previewed this last week, you thought you'd get a little more Mayu versus Tam. And I don't think we got like really much of it at all. Like usually when you have these stars versus cosmic angels matches, you kind of have some sort of stare down or some sort of exchange with the two. And we really didn't get that here. But other than that, I thought this was really, really good. Uh, I had this at three and a half stars. Yeah, I thought this was really good. You actually forget, going back to your Kagama and Mayu point, um, there was a brief time um, during 2021 where Mayu and Kagama went for the tag belt against ALK. And it was a really underrated match. I think unless I'm very much we covered it no I don't think we, we co- did we no we didn't yeah I'm, I'm, no we didn't because I are you, are we didn't because I did watch it I maybe I was re uh, I was going through the list that you gave me for the patreon and that match popped up and I watched it on my own but I know I watched it when when I was doing my notes for the uh, top 10 hidden gems of 2021 the only reason I know that we haven't covered it Matt is because Julia got injured after during the five star and we didn't start podcasting together until after the five star 
and Julia didn't come back until the 29th of December. So it must have been at the Yokohama in summer show, uh, which was in July. Um, and that was... No, I think we, I thought, I think we covered, I thought we covered it for the Patreon, the top 10 hidden gems of 2021. That's what I was saying. Oh, did right. Well, in that case, I apologize. In that case, I apologize. I, um, I will just to, have a look. You <laughs> never have to apologize. You never have to apologize to me, sir, about anything. Um, right. Yeah, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter anyway. <laughs> but um, it was I a great go. match. We're way off. <laughs> it's a great match. That's the main thing. Um, we head in then to our final three matches and the three biggest matches of the two shows. Match four was a Cinderella Tournament 2022 round two match with Hazuki defeating Azumi with the Hazuki Stral in five minutes and 11 seconds. I believe I may have misspoke on the last podcast by saying that the time limit for the second round matches is 15 minutes. But I've read since that the 15-minute time limit doesn't come in until the semi-finals. So uh, I thought it was announced that it was only the first round that was going to be 10 minutes. But if I've got that wrong, then I apologize to everyone because, as you know, these were obviously only 10 minutes. I believe the quarterfinals, which are going to be at Corican on Sundays we record, that is going to be um, 10 minutes as well. And then it's going to be 15 once we reach the Ota Ward City Gym at the end of the month. Now. You can tell I now do a podcast with a pro wrestler because I was impressed with the way Hazuki fed for a top rope double foot stomp when it looked like Azumi might not make it. And I thought to myself, I bet Matt loved that. Now, now that you're picking up on the little tropes that I give you, are you appreciating wrestling more, or is it like, oh, I'm starting to see like the magic tricks now? Like, and I'm trying, to, I, I can kind of see behind the green screen. Does it take away, or, or, or what does it do for you? Because I'm, I'm interested now. Because a lot of times, non wrestling people that'll watch wrestling, and I'll say something, and I'm like, well, this is why they did here. Sometimes they appreciate it more, and sometimes they're just like, I wish you wouldn't have told me that. Do you know what? What I lose in, you know, say, say the magic. What I would losing that i would i would gain in appreciation of how good the wrestlers are so you know say that i was lost lost the magic of hazuki taking the double foot stomp okay oh well she's obviously taking the double foot stomp now um but i gain appreciation for hazuki for being able to go do you know what i don't think she's going to quite make that so i'll just turn my body slightly to make sure she gets me like it doesn't ruin anything for me. If anything, it elevates my enjoyment because I am appreciating wrestling on another level to the way I was before. So yeah, absolutely no worry at all, mate. You haven't ruined my joy of wrestling just yet. (laughs) (laughs) It's in the fact I love wrestling so much. I was just like, yeah, now I hate wrestling because I did this podcast with Matt for six months. What an ass. (laughs) Yeah. Just ruined it. Torn down the curtain. Um, we talked about Azuki's high-speed style, and I think it was even more prevalent here. That opening with Azumi was absolutely fantastic, Matt. Yeah, this was almost like a perfect blend of a high-speed match and a Cinderella tournament match where they only had 10 minutes to get it done, and they got it done like half the time. I thought this was like perfectly well-paced. There was literally don't blink. I mean, this was, we know Azumi, she's a master at this high-speed style, and it's just like we talked about in the Momo Watanabe match where they got that match done in like three minutes and everything made sense. They told a good story. And this one was, you know, was right there. 
I mean, this was was fantastic. And again, another bracket buster. I thought this was really cool uh, how they did, how Azumi goes for the Azumi Sushi. And then she Hazuki ba- basically rolls out of it and then gets an airtight Alamashra Cradle, which I believe she has uh, coined the Hazuki Straw Cradle, which I, that always gets a pop out of me where they take the name of the hold and put their uh, name in it and combine the two. Always a big fan of that. Um, but I thought this was this was excellent. This was excellent. You know, don't blink. Uh, you're going to get your entertainment for six minutes in this match. And again, Hazuki just really um, talked, you know, we talked about it in the last show, really enjoying her baby face role, like coming out, connecting with the audience, being a little bit more, you know, more of the baby face, enjoying the cheers that she's getting. She's really fed really well uh, into this role as a baby face without compromising her moveset. She pretty much does. Uh, almost the same moveset that she did when she was in a widow tie. But this was, this was fantastic. These are just two masters at their craft. Uh, and I had this at four and a quarter star. I thought this was tremendous. I'm sorry, uh, not four and a quarter. I had this one at um, four stars. Yeah, I was saying four stars. I think for a match that goes only five minutes, to have the chemistry that these two had and be able to tell the story that they told in this short time limit paced estimate to just how good they are. I think the chemistry they had was fantastic. That closing stretch was brilliant. They did not miss a beat, which is certainly, it looks hard when you're wrestling at that pace. Obviously, again, you know more about that than I do, Matt, but again, an amazing five-minute encounter. And it was at this point, Matt, that I thought, thank God I didn't go for a Zoomy again. Oh, how little I knew. Because match yeah. five, match five, Cinderella Tournament 2022, round two match, Suri versus Himika ended in a 10-minute time limit draw, which eliminates both women. And in the word of the great Ron Simmons, damn. You need to me that does like the throwback comments. There you go. Look at you, brother. I know, I'm, I'm learning. I'm learning. Yeah. Um, now, I know you're disappointed with this result, but there's no way you could have been disappointed with this match. Oh, hell no. No, I mean, this was this was just bombs being thrown. This was great. Also, the first time they've ever faced each other in a singles match, which I didn't know. Oh, that, that was my, my next question. As usual, I could cross that out. You answered my question without me even asking it. As usual, we were on the same page, sir. But I thought this was, you know, we kind of joke sometimes that Himika should join the high-speed division and just do running shoulder blocks really fast and then a big lariat in the JP coaster and call it a day at about 40 seconds. And that's almost how this one starts off. Like, she uses, like, that high-speed, high, high, uh, that high you know, high-power offense on shearing, basically almost in, like, a heavyweight fight where somebody gets hit with a big shot early on. Sherry's kind of like stumbled back a little bit. And then the psychology of it makes sense. Sherry just uses some of her striking to slow Himika down and then uses some of her grappling, you know, some of the chain wrestling and catch wrestling to kind of start wearing Himika down and working on a body part. And I thought that was really, really good. Uh, psychology that was there that made sense. Himika's a really underrated seller. Uh, she doesn't sell really sell too much because she's kind of on the defensive because she's one of the bigger, stronger, more powerful people on the starting roster. But it makes sense, you know, against the champion and a absolute killer that sherry is and i thought the, the finish was really good that uh she she gets uh sherry with the jp coaster kicks out she hits the power bomb but then sherry locks in the uh the triangle choke and then as himika is trying to go for the ropes she switches her position and gets her like almost in a double arm bar as the time limit expires uh, again this was i had this one on par as the last match, but I like this one just a little bit better because it's a little more my style, you know, with the psychology of the breaking down of body part, the hard-hitting uh, uh, submission offense of Sherry. But I had this one at four stars as well. 
were you surprised? Fantastic match, and I'll get into that in a minute, but were you surprised that it was Suri on top when the bell went? Considering where we're going with this, were you surprised that Suri was on top as the bell sounded for the time limit draw? Do you not think that should have been Himika? I see your point. I think you could have done either way, but Sherry never hit any of her finishes on Himika where Himika hit her finish on Sherry. So it's just like, oh, if she hits that, like she showed like, look, I can hit this move on you where Sherry really didn't get any of her big submissions in. She didn't have her for the Vermilion World. She didn't uh, you know, have her for the Ruin, anything like that. She didn't hit anything on that. Now, with Himika being as big as she is, is she going to be able to do any of that in their title match? And obviously that's something that, you know, we're going to be paying attention to. Because, you know, she can be able to be able to hit that, you know, without really, really uh, hurting her. You know, obviously, Himika and Micah kind of work the same style. And I actually just, why I just had it on the other day, the match, and I know that you know it pretty well, Sherry and Himika's match, from, oh, excuse me, Micah's match from the five-star, where she just takes her head off with the buzzsaw kick and then just hits like a Masala style uh, Emerald Felosian Bruin. It was just like, oh, geez, she just hit it with two bombs back-to-back that looked like that poor Micah might be out of this tournament for good. Um <laughs> So it's obviously something that you're kind of looking at. It's just like, you know, is that match going to end the end this way? I, you know, I don't think they're going to do a title change with everything that they have um, locked into Sherry. However, that doesn't, you know, considering the fact that I'm pretty sure that Sherry's going to win the title match, that does not uh, take away my, what is going to be, uh, you know, my anticipation for what's going to be a great match. But uh, I guess that was a long way of answering your question, Robin. <laughs> I, I apologize, but no, I see your point where it's just like, well, how come, uh, how come she was? How come uh, Himika wasn't on top? Well, Sherry's the champ. You know, at the same time, if you, you were going to score this on a UFC MMA style scorecard, uh, you know, I had this at, at you know one extra round to Himika. I thought that she got the majority of the offense in. So uh, the fact that Sherry was on top, it kind of you can kind of give it that way. It was like, well, she had her in the submission, but at the same time, she was kind of on the defensive for a good majority of this match, especially towards the end. Yeah, well, I don't know. I think. Obviously, with Himika then challenging for the Red Belt, which is where we're going, the Cinderella Tournament Final on the 29th of April at Otawood City Gym, it's going to be headlined by that main event for the Red Belt between Suri and Himika. I just thought it would have been... I don't know. It would have been more... I don't know. Maybe I'm just being a little bit more... Maybe I'm just being picky. It was a good match. You're, just, you're upset because you're picky from the Cinderella went and everybody else went in the first round. And you're like, I'm the only one left. And now you're gone. <laughs> I think that's what it is. I think that's what it is. It, it possibly is. It possibly is. But, you know, my sadness at the fact that my winner is once again out of the damn tournament is mitigated by the fact that Himika is finally getting another singles title match. And this once we get to the 29th of April, which is when this match is going to take place, it will have been 548 days between singles title shots for Himika because her last title shot was against Julia for the white belt back in October 2020. Obviously, discounting the artist and the goddess of stardom, her last singles title, and she's never challenged for the red belt. She's only had one singles title challenge. That's astonishing for me, especially as Mike has had three. Yeah, well, I mean, change it up here a little. I mean, I know you've been talking about it for a while now, and now you're going to get it. So, uh, and I think it's kind of done in the right light, considering the fact that we don't know where Mike O'Himmick is going to end up in this DDM God, God's Eye split as well. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Really good match. I gave it four stars. I thought, you know, they 
you could tell they left a little bit on the table, which makes sense, obviously, when you think we're going to have another match. But overall, a really, really good advert for the Cinderella. What this does do is, though, it does give Hazuki a route through to the semi-finals. So she has not got a quarter-final match. Um, match six, their main event of this show was the Goddesses of Stardom Championships match with Black Desire, Momo Watanabe and Starlink at the champions, defeating the challengers, Donna Del Mondo, Julia and Tekla, or as they um, christen themselves, Black Designer, with the Peach Sunrise in 21 minutes and 35 seconds. Now, we've been on this podcast for a while, man. You've said that you do not like Black Desire as a name because it sounds like a box of chocolates. Um, where do you stand on Black Designer? You know, you're on a roll renaming all these people, so I'm just going to go with it. You know, Black Designer, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's not the greatest name in the world, is it? But there we are. Um Honestly, like this match was broken down into two halves. You had the shenanigans to start off with, which was fine. You had the bucket, which made a hilarious noise as Tekla was hitting people on the head with it. You had them trussing up Starlight Kid like some sort of hog. It was great. Um, just gen basically Donna Del Mondo trying to out shenanigan a Weretai, and I thought that was great. And then we broke down into what was a fantastic match. I mentioned the ferocity of which um, they wrestled the opening pace of the first match back on the ninth. This exchange between first Tekla and Starlight and then Tekla and Momo Watanabe in the closing stretch was fantastic. And I don't know about you, Matt, but Tekla gave me such Luna Vachon vibes in the way that she was dressed. Yeah, new guy. I, I have I literally. I have that as a question. What do you think about Tekla? Tekla, Tekla excuse me, uh, her new gear because I, I really enjoyed it. It's really showing off the work that she's done to uh, get her body into really tip top shape. I mean, we've seen her. Po we talked about it before in this podcast that she's posting pictures in the gym and posting pictures with Julia. But I mean, you can see that her legs are getting stronger. She's more cut up in the core. Her arms and triceps and shoulders look look uh, bigger and more cut up. But I really, I really enjoyed the new look. How about you? Yeah, massively, massively. It's something different that we haven't seen before. And obviously, you know, she's going for a different title. She's teaming with a friend. She wants to look a little bit, you know, we've got the braids that sort of, you know, tie them together, so to speak. But I thought, aside from the way she looks, she wrestled very, very well in this match. Yeah, I mean, you touched upon, I mean, this match, you kind of have like the heel tag team of, of Momo Watanabe and Starlight Kid and almost kind of, you know, the, the tweener tag team of Julia and Tekla. And it starts off, I mean, they just have brawl. I mean, it's almost like, you know, gave me ECW vibes uh, where they just sort of spills out into the crowd and they, they brawl all over and then, you know, kind of breaks down with Starlight Kid and Julia really going at each other. I thought that was really good. I mean, they were really throwing in some really stiff shots. And Julia's striking the last handful of months has just been really on par with like Momo, uh, with Mayu and with Sherry as well. I mean, she throws some tight, tight forearms and slaps as well. Uh, then Tekla, you get Tekla and Momo in there, and God bless Tekla. She's trying to go kick for kick with Momo, which is <laughs> not smart at all. Obviously, Momo Terrible gets the advantage. Decision. Yeah, yeah. And I thought Momo did, you know, we all talk about the toxic spider. Obviously, it's a cool-looking move, but it's always, like, my big thing. I mean, I'm not going to beat it to death is when they see the move coming and then it happens. Um, uh, obviously, it happens on Momo here. I had full confidence that she would sell it well, and she did. You know, she made it look like she was going to charge at Tekla. And just right when she was getting to the strike she was going to throw, she ate the spear. So I thought that was really good. And then I thought it was just very old school 
so smart where they give Momo the wrench to put in her kick pad. And she's hiding it from the ref, but she's looking right at the camera. It's like, you don't want them to see, but you want them to see. It's just like, so this way you get the crowd going, oh no, she's cheating. And she's putting like it in her kick pad. She almost like winks and blows a kiss at the camera. I'm like, ha ha. So they do a really good job building up the loaded kick pad here because she tries to kick Julia with it, doesn't hit. She tries to kick Tekla with it. And eventually she winds up, uh, you know, inadvertently hitting Starlight Kid with it. And then Tekla does a really good O'Connell roll into the Bob Backlund bridge for a 2.9 count. I thought that was really, really good. Um, eventually they uh, they wind up hitting a whole bunch of double teams on Tekla. And uh, I'm a big fan that Momo's been winning a lot of these matches lately with the Peach Thunder. Obviously, we reviewed the Momo Watanabe white belt uh, retrospective where she won pretty much every match with the the uh, the Peach Thunder. I'm sorry, the Peach Sunrise. Um, I'm a big fan of that move, so she hits it here for the win. But I thought this was terrific. This was, to me, the best match of uh, the night two. Second best match of the two cards, uh, other than the six-person uh, stars versus my Himipoy match. I had this at four and a quarter stars, and if this is what we're going to see from Momo and Starlight Kid, I can't wait to see them against Amy and Mariah. I uh, can't wait to see them against Mike and Himika. You know, hopefully they don't, you know, obviously depending on where the two of them are going to go with a DDM uh, God's Eye split. I just hope we get one match with Mike and Himika versus Momo and Starlight Kid because I thought this was terrific. And then uh, and then obviously there's, you know, and you'll touch upon it, Well, their, uh, their next challengers are pretty much well set up uh, for, their, uh, for the next show. Before we get to that, I've just got one question for you. Um, yes. We've talked a lot, we've raved a lot about Momo Watanabe's heel turn, how it's the, the fresh coat of paint her character's needed. Is she treading water as part of the Goddess of Stardom tag division? Because it was something she's already done as part of Queen's Quest. She's done nothing aside from, you know, kicking the face off of Azumi with the wrench. She's not done anything that she hadn't already done in Queen's Quest. And I suppose what I'm asking a roundabout way is, is the heel turn going cold? Are we risking stardom missing the boat on Momo Watanabe's turn? Or have they, you know, God, um, you know, God forfend, have we already missed it? I'm so glad you asked this question because I've been wanting to bring this up on the podcast and just sometimes we just, we go to, we go on tangents and then the podcast runs long and I don't get a chance to ask this. I'm glad you brought it up because I know, uh, me and you, we pretty much thought, okay, Momo's turning heel. You, Tommy's beating Sherry at the end of the year. And then Momo's going to be, they're going to put the belt on Momo, uh, you know, over you, Tommy, probably first or second show of the, uh, of the new year. And then we got that completely wrong with Shuri getting the title reign. And then we thought, okay, she's going to have a two or three month reign and they're going to put it on Momo. I think maybe that might've been the plan, but I think that they realize they're doing such well business, such good business and big business with Shuri as champion. You know, it's an old promoters thing. It's just like, well, if your champions drawing money and getting views and there's more eyes on the product, you don't, you don't change the belt. So maybe that's what they were going to do, Rob. I don't know. I mean, it's a possibility. Maybe they're like, okay, we're you know we're going to put the belt on Momo in March. But they see how well they're doing with Sherry as champion. You know, both drawing numbers and just how fantastic her matches are. So maybe they thought, okay, we're just going to kind of pause this for a little bit. We're just going to put the tag belts on Momo for now until we're ready to uh, to have her have her run at the red belt. But yeah, I see your point of view. It was kind of like the whole reason for her turning on Queen's Quest was. I need to join this evil group to get the one thing that has eluded me all these years. 
You know, I, I've won the Cinderella. I've had this legendary run with the uh, the Red Belt. I've won the Goddess of Stardom uh, Tag Tournament. I've won the, the Goddesses belts before. That's the main thing. So I see your point of view, but at the same time, maybe that's what it was. Maybe they just looked at it it's like, we're doing really well with Sherry. Let's drag this out as much as possible before we flip it. Or maybe they'll have Sherry run as champion until she drops it to Julia at the end of the year, uh, which is kind of the prediction that me and you have going on. So I, I don't know. I don't know. You bring up a really, really good point. But I'm all for you know Momo Watanabe winning the, the red belt because that's the, pretty much the last thing she needs to do. Yeah, and I feel like if she doesn't achieve that off the back of this heel turn, then the heel turn was, I mean, a little, a little bit pointless. Sure. Is that is that fair? I see your point, but then here's something else too. I mean, again, I'm gonna kind of throw this out at you and tell me if you think I'm crazy or not. What if the what if the whole point, obviously, the end game for any wrestler, especially someone of Momo's uh, ability, is to win that red belt, to win the main belt. What if it comes full circle? And then she winds up going back to and becomes the leader of Queen's Quest. And that's the only way she could win the red belt is she had to go to the other side, then to flip to the good side. So then this way she can she can find a completely different version of herself just to tap into her old self to win the red belt. That's a story they could do because they've never done that with anybody before. I mean, it is a possibility, like, say this prominence thing just keeps running, you know, runs long. And then they find it turns out because they're an outsider faction, they become the big heel bunch. And then what if it's something where they're getting heat on a Saya, an Izumi, a Utami, and it's just like nobody can, nobody can beat, nobody can get the advantage. And then Momo comes out for the big save and then rejoins Queen's Quest. Maybe that's because my fantasy booking, because I want Momo to win the red belt either as a healer as a baby face, but I would love to see her finally win the red bell as the leader of Queen's Quest. Maybe that's just my fantasy booking. It's ambitious, but I mean, who are we to say that that's not what's going to happen? Um, I don't know. I just, at the moment, you know, Momo's doing great work and, you know, she's continuing to have really good matches. I mean, that exchange with Tekla in this match is great and I gave you four and a quarter stars. I think this was a very, 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 very good match. I just I'm I worry about the heat behind Momo winning this belt if they don't pull the trigger soon. And maybe that will be what it is. Maybe it'll be Momo that challenges after um after Himika and maybe it's Momo that wins and she cheats to win, gets heat. I don't know. But um I just I do worry that we have waited too long. Um but that's just that's my opinion. Um so, as a result, like I say, let's level a look through the Cinderella tournament standing, seen as both me and you, and indeed your wife, are now out of the running for the Stardom Cinderella tournament. Um, as a result of Himika and Suri's time limit draw and their subsequent eliminations, Hazuki will automatically go into the semi-finals at Otawards City Gym on the 29th, which I've already mentioned, as will the winner of Natsupoi and Yunagi Sayaka, which is one of the matches that is going to be taking place on the 17th of April at Corican. Now, at the moment, the two that are already in the semi-finals are Hazuki and Mirai. And these two are two that I've seen pretty much everyone say it is going to be a final of Hazuki and Mirai and whoever, obviously it's going to be one of those two that wins the Cinderella. Have you got an opinion, Matt, or have you just given up entirely doing predictions? Because what's the damn point? 
<laughs> yeah, kind of. I'm, I'm, it's, you know, it's just like, well, whatever. My picks are out, but it, by all means, obviously, I'm enjoying the matches. I'm enjoying the matches we have coming up. But it's funny. We talked about before the podcast. Was, yeah, obviously, we, we text a lot and we talk a lot about like, no, it's going to be Mariah. What if they do Mariah and Julie in the final just because, like, the, you know, you have the DDM and God's Eye split. It, it, that match would mean so much more than just the Cinderella. You throw that on top of it, and we completely, again, we talked about it before we started recording, we completely forgot that Mayu Iwatani, the two-time winner, three-time <laughs> finalist, is still in this tournament, and nobody is nobody thinks that she's going to win it or make it to the final. So, I mean, that's a possibility. Obviously, she's up against Saki, who Saki has many roll-up victories over Mayu, so that's a possibility. But I think it's just so funny that we're overlooking my Iwatani in this tournament, just because we're so wrong about everything, you know. So we all yeah, wrong uh, about everything. I, I'm gonna say uh, the final now is gonna be yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna say I'm gonna say yeah. Uh, Yunagi and Hazuki. Uh, That's what I'm gonna say now. Just I'm throwing it out there. I'm gonna say it's Yunagi and Hazuki with Hazuki winning. So does that mean that you are going for a Unagi win of the 2022 Cinderella tournament? Is is that you saying that? Can I get that in writing, Matt? You know, I, I mean, I'll tell you over here. I don't know how you want me to write. You have a fax machine. You want me to text it to you? I mean, it's not, it's not like we're next door neighbors, brother. You know that what I mean? I'll send you, I'll, you know, the words of Thor, I'll send a uh, carrier pigeon, you know, I'll send a raven, send a raven. <laughs> um, I think it's going to be Hazuki that wins it. Um there's a story with her and the white and the white belt you know she's gone for it multiple times i believe four times um and has never got the job done um you know she's gone up against eo she's gone up against Kyrie, against momo and against arissa so and you know her match against arissa was seen as many as the beginning of the end um and there's a article on deadlock i believe i think it's written by dylan murray um and it's a great article about the story of um, Hazuki and the white belt and I think it would just be a great capping off if Hazuki is the person to win and go for the white belt and finally get the white belt um, and that's why I'm sort of reticent to put it back in the high speed division because you know it's the first sign of madness isn't it where you keep doing the same things and expecting different results um, yeah well if it makes you feel any better Amber has picked Hazuki as her second choice to win so that you, you two are in the same boat Oh, get in. Fantastic news. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, obviously, with some of the results and things that have happened in the wake of those, we have got some different matchups and the cards have changed and all sorts. Again, I'm not going to go into the whole Golden Week tour because I think we'll wait until a little bit closer to the time, so maybe after we've looked at the Cinderella Tournament Final, something like that, before we go into detail on these Golden Week cards. But at the moment, this is what we have for the Cinderella Tournament second round quarterfinals at Corrigan Hall on the Sunday, uh, so Sunday the 17th of April, which is the final card. We have got singles match, Tekla versus Lady C. We have got a six-woman tag team match. The Cosmic Angels team of Tam Nakano, Mina Shirakara, and Wakasukiyama versus the Stars team of Hazuki, Momokogo, and Hanan. We have then got a ten-woman tag with the Queen's Quest team of Utami, Mayu Amasaki, Miyu Amasaki, sorry, Saika Matani, Azumi, and Hina versus the Oedatai team of Starlight Kid, Momo Watanabe, Fukukin Death, Ruwaka, and Rina. And then we've got a tag team match between the God's Eye team of Siori and Amasurai, 
uh, versus the Donna Del Mondo team of Himika and Micah. We then got the Cinderella tournament matches. We've got the second round match, May Sakurai versus Sayurida. We've got second round match, Mayu Watani versus Saki Kashima. We have got Natsupoi versus Yunagi Sayaka. Again, the winner of that does not have a quarterfinal as a result of the Utami versus um, Tamnakano time limit draw. We have also got the Cinderella quarterfinals. So we've got Julia and Kogama versus the winner of Saeeda versus Mei Sakurai. And we have got the winner of Mei Wibatani and Saki Kashima versus Mirai in the quarter final. Um, and we've also got Kogama and Julia in the second round as well. So we've got a long, long card there. Um, it's probably a good job that the match has only got a 10-minute time limit. Um, we've had an updated card for the Cinderella tournament semifinals and finals, which again is going to be on um, the 29th of April at the Ota Ward City Gym. Um, we have got that World of Stardom Championship match between Suri and Himika. We have also got the High Speed Championship match between Azumi and Mei Suruga. We've then got the Cinderella tournament final and both semifinals to happen as well. We've then got some more matches that have been made official for the Stardom Fukuoka Goddess Festival 2022, which is the big show on the 5th of May. We have got the Wonder of Stardom Championship match between Sayaka Matani and Fukuoka native Micah. We have got the SWA Undisputed World Women's Championship match between the champion Tekla and Mayu Iwatani. And we've then got an eight-woman elimination tag match with the God's Eye team of Suri. Amasurai, Mirai, and the mystery partner, who we talked about last week, versus the Donna Del Mondo team of Julia Himika, Natsupoi, and May Sakurai. Something I didn't mention at the end of the Black Desire versus Black Designer tag match was that Fukuoka Double Crazy came out and challenged um, Black Desire for the belts um, in their hometown to try and get their titles back. So that is also official for this card, the Goddess of Stardom Championships match, Black Desire versus Fukuoka Double Crazy. Um, big question to come off this um, 5th of May show, Matt. Do you see any of the Fukuoka natives getting a championship win? No, I don't think I see any titles changing probably until at least the summer. Uh so that would be uh, that would be my guess, my early prediction. Uh, obviously, when we preview the show in a, a few weeks, you know, we'll uh, my mind changes, my mind changes. Uh, but I'm going to ask you two questions, sir. One, how about you? And two, on this big five-five show, do we see uh, Kari uh, make her way on the on the card? Um. Well, we haven't seen her since World Climax, so it makes sense. Um. I. I mean, she could turn up at Ota Ward City Gym, to be honest, on the 29th of April. She could have a special singles match. There's still a lot of people on that card um, that haven't been announced yet. Obviously, taking out of account the four people for the Cinderella. I mean, do we see a special singles match there? Do we see her challenge the winner of Saya Kamatani versus Mike? We saw her um, sort of say, um, I won that belt again. For, yeah, and and they tease the Tam match. They tease the Tam match and the tag match. Do we see her versus Tam then at the Cinderella tournament, maybe? Don't know. Tam. That's a good question. That's why I asked you. So you, you're the one that knows everything. <laughs> I mean, 
there's no Tam Nakano in the Cinderella tournament. She's not in the picture for any titles, so it we could see Tam versus Kyrie, maybe, and then have Tam come out on May fifth and challenge the winner of Sire versus Micah, which is probably going to be Sire. I'm I'm not going to say no, Matt. I'll be perfectly honest. We'll find out, sir, and we'll podcast about it. We might do, yeah. I, I don't know. We might do. <laughs> um. Anyway, we've reached the end of our podcast. Thank you. Pardon me so much for listening, everyone. We really, really do appreciate it. If you want, please go check out our podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us a five-star review and a comment. It really, really does help us fire up those charts, especially on Apple or on Spotify. It really, really does help us out. Um, it would also help us out if you could go and check out our Patreon. Patreon, sorry, you can join for as little as one dollar a month. I just want to shout out our fantastic patrons now: Joseph Usher, Rob Jones, Niagara Driver, John Owen, Valkage Bracker, Tom, Ed BC, Brandon Neal, Steve Clark, Emerson Stone, Alex Tremaine, Mike, Jeff Baker, Doden Solar, Steve Kaklamanos, uh, Colin Matthew, Eric Sandoval, Ben Grimshaw, Devonte Walker, Glenn Lake, Eight, Darren Chatton. Chris Sensulo. I think I've pronounced that right, Chris, because you did tell me how to pronounce it, and I'm really sorry if I haven't. Plug Pedro and our newest patron, Andrew Watts. Thank you all for supporting us. Um, if you are a member of our Patreon, of course, we did drop our latest Patreon-exclusive episode, a match review of Thunder Rock versus Kyrie Hojo and Mako Satomura in what is, and in Matt's words, one of the top 25 tag matches he's ever seen and the best women's tag matches ever seen so high praise indeed if you want to go and check out our review of that um our patreon poll is up for our may episode so go and check that out um we are going to keep checking the cinderella tournament brackets nobody has got the winner correct. All the winners have already been eliminated. But Matt, you said we might be doing something for someone who's got their finalists right or something like that. Am I right? Yeah, I'll have to figure it out. Obviously, Rob has a list there, and I'll you know just the fact that everybody's out after only one and a half rounds. <laughs> like we're not even in the second round. Uh, yeah, if somebody has the actual winner right, or somebody is the closest, or whatever, I might um, I might uh, toss in a T-shirt or uh, or your or Rob's book just again, just because. Uh, I really just as, as, as a thank you as a thank you and the fact that i think that everybody should have rob's book and if you have it everybody should be wearing the brand new stardom cast t-shirt i think you look really swag in that so yeah we'll have to figure it out obviously we'll wait until the uh the whole tournament is over with but at this point it could be saki kashima winning which i don't think anybody in the world has the winning so yeah we'll uh cross that bridge when we come to it <laughs> i wouldn't be opposed to saki kashima winning it to be fair i think she deserves the rub um but no thank you so much for listening guys you can check us out on twitter facebook and instagram and youtube at at the stardom cast you can talk to me on twitter at, at real rob goodwin matt where can they find you you can find me on the Instagram and Twitter. It's uh, Matt Turner OF. Any questions, comments, uh, I read them all. I appreciate it. And uh, I hope everyone has a wonderful holiday. Absolutely. Echoed. And in the meantime, thank you so much for listening, guys. We'll talk to you guys again soon.
say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.